Amen. Take your Bible, if you would, turn over to the book of John. John chapter 10. Again, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we are thrilled to have you with us. And I know somebody has probably invited you out. And boy, I'll tell you what, we're glad you're here. And um, we just appreciate you taking the time to be a part of the service today. If you uh, attend all the time, we're even glad to see you. Amen? No, <laughs> we are. We're thrilled to have you. Amen. Well, John chapter 10 today. John chapter 10. Guys, uh, make sure I'm loud enough today. I feel like my voice is a little bit bassier than normal. <laughs> yeah, if only the quartet was singing today, I could replace the bass. And then we'd have a real bass. He's not in here yet, see, he hasn't gotten in the room yet, so I can say that. Once he gets here, I won't say that. John chapter 10, John chapter, if you're visiting with us, you got to understand, I'm a frustrated bass singer, I never get to sing bass, and I always wanted to be the deep singer, but it never worked out that way. Like I always thought I wanted to be at least six foot tall, that didn't happen either. So either way, I've got a lot of disappointment in my life, and so I have to depend on the Lord to get me through. So uh, bear with me, if you would, please. <laughs> John chapter 10. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. John chapter 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. When he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he's a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and sh there shall be one fold and one shepherd. I'm going to stop there for a moment. I just want you to understand that what he's talking about is the Gentiles there. 
At this point, he's dealing with the Jews, and his, his focus has been on the Jews, and throughout the Old Testament, through the sacrificial system of all the lambs and the bullocks and the goats and everything that was transpiring and taking place, it was always the Jews, and it was the Jews who God was going to elevate. It was the Jews who God was going to bring to a place of preeminence. And now we find Jesus on the earth, and he's still dealing with the Jew, but we're going to see that at some point the Jew will reject Jesus Christ, and he will open his arms to the Gentiles. And the Bible says that he's going to have one body comprised of Jew and Gentile that will come together and be one in Christ Jesus. And so he says in verse 16, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Talking about the Jews. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Verse 17, therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Father, we come to you today, and we're asking that you would speak to our hearts through the Word of God. And Lord, may our minds be cleared of all the clutter that the world has created in our lives. Lord, it's just so busy everywhere we go, everything we do. And I pray that for just a short time today, this morning, that you would clear our minds, that you would provide access to your Holy Spirit into our lives, that we would not be so distracted that we could not hear from you. Holy Spirit of God, bring conviction and change to lives. And may you just Fill me with your Holy Ghost, and may I be your mouthpiece today. May you stand in my shoes, and Lord, may it not be a mere man that is heard today. May it be you, the master, that is heard. May the Holy Spirit bring the change in our lives that is needful and necessary. We need peace today in our lives. We need satisfaction and fulfillment. We need purpose. Father, I pray that you would provide that for folks today that are still searching and in need. Oh, God, help us, we pray. We need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus has been performing miracle after miracle, revealing his identity. He was the Messiah. He was the promised one. Not only was he revealing his identity, but he was proving his deity. The Bible says that he came as Emmanuel, God with us. The Messiah, or the promised one, was none other than the second person of the Trinity, God himself coming to earth. Not only did he reveal his identity, proved his deity, but he exhibited his authority. We see him healing and changing lives everywhere he went. In John chapter 5, we saw him healing the man with an infirmity for the last 38 years. He says, rise, take up thy bed and walk, and guess what? He did. We see in John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. Five loaves and two fishes, and yet 5,000 men later, and not including the women and the children, were all fed. Twelve baskets remaining. We see Jesus walking on water in John chapter 6, doing what nobody can. You say, oh, I saw a magician do it. Well, there's a trick to it. Jesus had no tricks up his sleeve. We see in John chapter 8, the woman that was taken in adultery. The Bible says in the very act, and yet Jesus, in his great compassion and love, he says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. 
And he's pointing out in our lives that we're all sinners. He wasn't condoning the sin that she was partaking in, but what he was doing is condoning the hypocrisy of those who brought her without the man. Where's the man at? If you caught her in the very act, there must be two people that need to be addressed and dealt with by the law. You hypocrites. Okay, who's without sin here? Well, none of us. And the stones fell and they all walked away. And Jesus said, go and sin no more. In John chapter 9, we see the man that was blind from birth being healed. And yet, around every corner, there's a critic, right? With every answer he provides, there's another question that's presented. Nothing he says does get the job done, it seems. Nothing he does seems to get through to these misguided leaders. His every effort is met with skepticism, cynicism, and criticism. The rabbis and the religious leaders are, they're entrenched in their unbelief and they're unwilling to seriously consider his claims. Jesus has already described himself as the bread of life in chapter 6 of John. That means that he's the provider and the sustainer of life. He's already described himself as the light of the world in John chapter 9 providing guidance, direction, and even protection for those of his own. Now in chapter 10, this chapter, he goes on to describe himself as the shepherd of the sheep. And of course, as a shepherd, he's going to, again, provide protection. He's going to provide provision and care and guidance for the sheep, just like any shepherd would. Not only does he describe himself as the shepherd of the sheep, But he calls himself the good shepherd. And in every case that he calls himself the good shepherd here, he explains why he says that. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he makes that statement. We've seen it here in our reading. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In verse 15 of that same chapter, he says, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And there aren't too many good shepherds who wouldn't lay their life down for the sheep, right? I mean, that wolf he talked about comes. He said, if you're not a hireling, if you're not just doing it for the money, if said, if you really got a heart for what you're doing and you're really doing it sincerely, you're going to lay your life down for those sheep. You're going to protect them at all costs. In John chapter 10, verse 14, again, he says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and and am known by them. He says, man, I know my sheep and they know me. I'm consistently interacting. I want a relationship with them. I know who they are. I've been keeping an eye on them. And they know me too. But there, of course, were critics that had consistently accused him in chapter 10, verse 20. And many of them said, he hath a devil. He's mad. Why hear ye him? (laughs) The cynics confronted him. They said, then came the Jews around about him and said unto him, how long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the uh, God in flesh? Are you Emmanuel, like the Bible said, the Old Testament promised? If so, why don't you just say it? Quit talking in riddles. 
And in John chapter 10, verse 25, he answers them. Look what he says in John chapter 10, verse 25. Okay, you want the truth? I'll just lay it to you. I'll give it to you straight. He says, Jesus answered them, I told you and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. I told you firsthand, I made it clear, and then look at what I've been doing all around you, everywhere I go, you telling me that just a normal man can do those things? Can they heal like I've healed? Can, you, can a normal fella turn around and heal the infirmity of a, of a man that's had this thing for 38 years? Could you, could you feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fishes? Would you be able to forgive people that have hurt and harmed you? Are you able to heal the blind man from birth like I did? I've tried to tell you, you just don't want to hear it. You don't want to listen. And then the works themselves I, I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, verse 26, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He says, I'm giving life. I give life to the sheep, and I know them, and they know me. And nobody can change that because I'm on guard. I'm the one watching over their soul. I'm the one that's going to provide and protect them. And then we arrive here at verse 9. Look at chapter 10, verse 9 again. I know I got you running all over. We'll settle down in a moment. But look what he says in verse 9 of John chapter 10. He makes a statement that stands out to me. And I'm sure it stood out to you too. And we were talking about the good shepherd, but wait a second. He, in the midst of all of that discussion, he makes a statement that seems a little out of place, but then again, is it? Watch this. John 10, 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Okay, so here it is this morning. I want to share three things with you, real basic things. Here it is, number one. I want to share some basic background. Oh, maybe some little-known facts. Do you know that sheepfolds in Bible lands were enclosures of stones or thorn bushes? They were open to the sky. It wasn't like they had to have a roof over them at all. No, that wasn't the case at all. And you would enter in through an opening or a door. So you'd have to go through a, 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 a small passage maybe to get back into that stone enclosure or to get through that thorn bushes. So as the sheep were brought in, they were in this enclosed space that was open to the sky, but they had to enter in through a doorway. Hold on. You say, no, it wasn't a door. Hold on. Let's get to it here. Listen to this. In Bible times, the shepherd was the door. At night, the shepherd would lead the sheep into that fold where they could rest safe and secure from any kind of harm. No beast, no prey, nothing would get in. Why? No animal could get in. So long as the shepherd was at the door, became the door, slept in front of the door, so to speak, or that opening. 
That shepherd became the door itself. Nothing could come in or out without going through the shepherd. No restless sheep could stray off into the night. No prowling animal could get in to destroy the sheep. In the morning, he would stand aside the opening and call the sheep out. He would count them and examine them and make sure all was well. And then he would lead them in the way that he wanted them to go. So the shepherd became the door of the sheepfold. As the shepherd, Jesus took his place in the open and thus became in that opening. And he became the door. And as he's talking now about being the shepherd of the sheep, he's expressing now, I am the door. If you're going to come into my sheepfold, you're going to have to go through me. And then I'm going to allow you to come in and out as I see fit in a way in which you'll be protected and cared for like none other. But we shared some basic background. I want to share one other thing. Another thing. How about some past and present dangers? Turn, if you would, to John 10. You're looking at it, but look at verse 12 and 13. In John 10, 12 and 13, he mentions some dangers, present dangers, at least in that day. And may I say, they still exist to this day. It says, but he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep, the hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. Now understand who Jesus is speaking to here. Here he is now. He's speaking to these Jewish religious leaders. And he goes on to describe them in this particular case as being hirelings. And uh, these teachers and religious leaders were these false shepherds he's referring to. They were the thieves and the robbers that Jesus spoke of earlier in the chapter. They were the blind leading the blind. A shepherd's got to know where they're going and leading the sheep to safety. He's saying, listen, you fellas here now aren't leading the sheep anywhere good. It's going to end real bad with you leading and guiding them. Whether it was their intention or just plain ignorance, they were leading the people away from Jesus Christ and into danger. And may I say there are still those false prophets today. There are still those who go around saying, Oh, Jesus, I love Jesus. Come follow me. Wait a second. We're to be following him. Amen. These rabbis are false teachers. They substituted tradition for truth. Our tradition is so important. Our tradition trumps the, the truth of the Word of God. Our tradition takes priority over the truth of the Word of God. I know what the Bible says, and I know what this, this Jesus is saying, but our tradition is more important than what Jesus is saying or anybody else. These rabbis or false teachers substituted the Talmud, which was a compilation of ancient teachings or traditions, for the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible. Oh, well, we got the Word of God here. We've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And then we have this 
compilation of, of principles or even traditions that we rest upon. We'll build our lives, our religion, our faith, and our families on the traditions, not on the foundation of the Word of God. These rabbis, false teachers, and they substituted the imagined oral law, again tradition, for the inspired written law. Can you imagine that? Okay, what, what the, give me the truth. Tell me what you want to say. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Let me do this instead. Let me open up the word. Well, now that's okay. I just want to know what your opinion is. I want to know where you stand on it. Because what, what, what and, and they'd say, hey, what we say is gospel. What we say is gospel. But you don't need to open the Bible and check it out. We are telling you it's true. You don't have to research it. You don't have to study it. You don't have to dig into that book. It's, that's the written law. But you have us. We'll teach you. Just listen to what we're telling you. We promise you it's true. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In verse 7. I'm the door of the sheep. But they continued to question his identity. To deny his deity. To reject his authority. See, all that these religious leaders could do was offer dead religion. There's a lot of dead religion in the world. Can I tell you that there are basically only two religions in the entire world? You say, what are they? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is it. And I mean, I'm telling you, I'm not even being facetious. I'm not trying to be funny in the least. There are really only two real religions in the world. And it all started way back with Cain and Abel even. One of them offered what? His works to God. Here it is, God. Here's what I did. I'm laying it down there as a sacrifice to you. I've worked hard. I've invested much. I've done my very best. And surely you will accept what I have given you. And what did God do? Sorry. No good. Won't accept your works, Cain. And then you have Abel over here that's like, all right, Lord. Now I know from the very moment that mom and dad left the garden, you killed an animal and you put skins on him and that blood was shed. The only thing that's going to work is the blood of a lamb. So here's that blood. Here's that lamb. Representing who? Jesus. There are only two religions. There's the one religion in the world, and let's be honest, this is the majority, that believes that they can do enough to earn God's favor or do enough to where the good outweighs the bad and God will let them in. Works. Their own human effort. I'm a good person. Where'd you read that at? Who told you that? It had to be your mother. My mom always told me how good I was, and she told me how good-looking I was. I still remember being a teenager, and my mom's like, you're such a good-looking young fella. And I'm like, man, how come all the girls don't want me? How come it's all the girls that are over 60 and under 12? 
you're so cute, Sonny. It's like, ooh. But moms, they think you're always the best, right? But hold on. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches that we're sinners at the very root because of the sin of Adam. There's nothing good about us that we can offer a holy, righteous God. Yes, indeed. Compared to other human beings, we may be better than them in one sense. We may not be doing the things they're doing or going the places they're going or saying the things they're saying, but we're still sinners at the very root. And when God sees us, he says, that's a marred human being because all human beings are marred by sin. And if you're going to be with me, you've got to be perfect and sinless. So therefore, you're out. But I'm a good person. Not good enough. Hold on. But then there's this side, remember? You know what they're depending on? His way. They're depending on that sacrifice. They're depending on the blood. In the long run, they're depending on no one or nothing but Jesus. Oh, are you a good person? Eh, I try to do the best I can, but honestly, there's nothing really good about me down deep. The fact is the only good thing that I have going for me is Jesus. He forgave me. He washed me. He made me clean. He, he, he's the real answer. He's the only hope I have, Jesus. No, I'm really wicked and sinful. Every day I look in the mirror, I see a sinner there. If it was up to me, there'd be a few people who'd be... Oh, I wouldn't be so nice to them if I could get away with it. But I gotta be nice anyway. But boy, you wouldn't, oh boy, I'm glad you can't read my thoughts right now. See, we're all sinners at the root. And so there's only two real religions there's a works religion, and then there's also a religion that depends on only Jesus Christ. It's a religion that says, we gotta keep doing in order to get to heaven. And there's the religion that says, it's already done in Jesus Christ. He paid the price. He paid it all. It is finished. Two religions. Two religions. So what are you depending on to get you to heaven? You say, well, I'm a good person. Says who? You? Man, I'll tell you what, we can go to the prisons today across America, and you know what you find? A lot of innocent people. But the law, and in some cases, listen, we're not going to argue the fact there may be some there that probably don't belong there. That might be the case, okay. Because maybe a judge or a jury was off base. But can I tell you, the righteous judge never makes a mistake. And let me tell you something, he judges you by a standard Whew. And that's where I want to bring up the last point. I want to share a golden opportunity today. A golden opportunity. Again, Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Jesus reminds us again, I am the door. Remember that sheepfold? Here's the shepherd in front of it, laying there, is the only way in or out through him. And if you hope, I hope to get into the sheepfold, we've got to go through Jesus Christ. Now, 
again, there's that mentality that continues to raise its ugly head. I'm a good person, and I'll take my chances. I'd like to point you to God's standard of good. Do you know what we call it? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Listen to them. Here's the standard. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You say, well, I don't bow down to a God. I know, but do you ever put anything before loving God, serving the Lord, doing what He wants you to do, being where He wants you to be, saying what He wants you to say? Have you ever put anything above Him? Then you have broken that one. Thou shalt not make thee any graven images. Probably most of us are doing fairly well with that one. We're not creating a, you know, a wood idol or a stone idol. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You ever cussed? You ever said a bad word? Uh-oh. Wait, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Have you always remembered the, the day of the Lord? Have you always remembered to be in your place at your time? I mean, all, if you, has there ever been a time in your life where you said, nah, nah? How about this one? Honor thy father and thy mother. How about this one? Thou shalt not kill. Well, I'm good on that one. You know what's bad about that one? <laughs> the Lord goes on in the New Testament and say, my standard's a little higher than it was even in the Old Testament. You know what? You don't just have to do it. All you have to do is think about it, and it's already as though you've done it in your heart already. Oh, wow, in that case, I'm, I'm toast. How about thou shalt not commit adultery? Again, not just physically, but in your mind. Oh, wait, thou shalt not steal. You ever stolen anything? Anything at all. Even a little tiny thing that wasn't yours, you took and kept it. As one of our singles said this morning, people like to borrow things indefinitely. <laughs> they borrow it forever. Well, in the Bible, we call that stealing. Now, hold on. This, I mean, think about it. We could go through a few more, but this is God's standard. And the Apostle James points out something very important in James chapter 2, verse 10. He says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. You're saying if I just told a lie, that means that I'm going to get the book thrown at me? It's as though I murdered somebody? It's as though I've committed adultery? It's as though I've done all these heinous acts and these sins? It's as though I've disrespected my parents and didn't honor them? Yep. If you've done one thing against God's holy law, righteous law, then it's proof positive that you deserve condemnation. So the Bible says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law, keep it all, but offend in one point, you're going to be guilty of all of it. And according to the passage, you say, that's not fair. It doesn't matter what's fair. You know what? When, uh, uh, when I, I played football, baseball, basketball, whatever I played, I knew there were rules in place. And can I tell you, I didn't always agree with the rules, especially if they went against what I wanted. But it doesn't matter what I wanted. I didn't design the rules. I just simply played by the rules. And I had to live by the rules. And can I tell you, God is the one who creates the rules. He's the one who designed you and made you and, and created you. And he says, this is how it's going to be. You say, I don't agree with God. Well, friend, you're going to fight God all the way to the grave. And then you're going to split hell wide open. Because he's not going to play by your rules. You don't get to tell the creator how to do things. The creator tells the creature how to do things. 
And he doesn't do it to hurt you. He does it to help you. And he does it to help me because Lord knows I need his help. See, according to the passage, the entire weight of the law is leveled against anyone who fails to keep just one of its commandments. And so it's obvious that none of us can measure up to this standard. None of us can. We're all, we all fall short. And the truth is that God gave the law not for the purpose of saving anyone. If I could just clean it up, if I could just live according to the Ten Commandments, then I could go to heaven. Nope, that's not how it works. He never gave the commandments in order to save anyone. He gave the commandments to point out the need of a Savior. And that Savior was Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 19. Don't turn there. Let me read it to you. Listen to it. It's from right out of the book. You can turn if you want, but we're moving quickly. Now we know that whatsoever, what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. He says, I gave you that law so that you would know without question that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. I didn't give you that law hoping you could live up to it because I know you can't. I created you. I know you can't. But I want you to understand how holy I am and righteous I am. This is my standard for me. The problem is you can't live up to my standard you need someone to pay the penalty for your sin. You need a substitute. And so I provided him, Jesus. And so I gave you my law, and I made it very clear that you will never measure up so that you are forced to receive him, accept him, and honor him. Jesus said, I am the door. He's still the door today. He is the only escape. You got to go through the door. Not only do we escape the penalty of sin, but we are given new life. We are given freedom. We're given peace and we're given provision. See, Jesus is the door today. You have to go through the door to get into his sheepfold. It's through this door that we find the love, acceptance, and favor of God. It's through Jesus Christ, the door, that we receive forgiveness of sins. It's through Jesus Christ, the door, that we become part of the body of Christ. It's through Jesus Christ the door that we enter into God's family. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You got to go through Jesus to be part of the family. It's through Jesus the door that we arrive safely on heaven's shore. It's through Jesus the door that we enter into life everlasting. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the Bible said what before that? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus the door. We're never going to find ourselves in heaven, nor are we going to find ourselves in the presence of God through empty works and dead religion. It's not going to happen. There is no life when someone is telling you to live right and that will get you to heaven. That is dead works. God does not need us to do anything for him in order to... to, He doesn't need what you have. He created everything. He doesn't need what I have to be pleased or to be content. He didn't have to have me to be happy. So there's nothing I can really do except that which pleases him. And my works don't honor God if they're done to get me somewhere that I want to go. It's all about me. I'll live this life. I'll earn a place in heaven. I'll be able to pat myself on the back one day and say, see, you did it. You were able to get the job done. I lived a separated, sanctified life. But I did it all on my own. I was good enough to get to heaven. Oh, not by works of righteousness which we have done done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the holy ghost for by grace are you saved through faith not of yourselves it's a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast he says you know you don't get to boast you don't get to say whoa did i do it no i did it he says i did it all for you every last bit See, it won't be through our baptism. It won't be through our good works. It won't be through our upbringing or our family tree. It's not going to be through our personal beliefs or an arrangement that we make with God. Well, me and God, we have an agreement. I feel this stuff's personal. It's kind of between me and him. we got a, we got our own thing going here. If it's not in this book, it's nothing going. you got nothing he, he spelled out his promises. He spelled out his requirement. He makes it clear what he expects. And can I tell you what he expects? He expects us to go through the door. Jesus. You're going to get in the sheepfold. You're going to get into God's family. You're going to get into heaven one day. You've got to go through the door. Jesus Christ. It's the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the way, he said. We sing a little chorus, it goes like this. One way God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. One way to reach those pearly mansions, Jesus is the only way. No other way, no, no other way, no, no other way to go. One way God said to get to heaven, Jesus is the only way. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, to get into your home, you got to go through a door. So I go through the garage, but then you go through a door. To get into your school, you got to go through a door. To get into the church house, you got to go through a door. 
To get into your workplace, you go through a door. Can I tell you, to get into heaven, you got to go through a door. Jesus Christ. Today you say, well, I'm going to try to find another way. As we used to say, you're barking up a wrong, the wrong tree. Jesus is the only way. He's the shepherd of the sheep. And you've got to go through him to get into the sheepfold, to become part of his fold. I am the door, he says. And if you hope to enter into his fold, you've got to enter through the door, Jesus Christ. Boy, as one of his sheep, let me tell you, you can count on a lot. He says again in John 10, 27, as I close, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. He will be real to you because you will hear his voice. He will offer you guidance because you will follow him. And he will provide you with eternal life. A life that not one person can ever take away from you. Not even yourself. Because if you're a man or a woman, that includes you. You're going to find pasture today? You want peace, satisfaction, and fulfillment? Then you've got to go in by way of the door, Jesus Christ. This morning, maybe you've never gone through him. Oh, I'm not saying you're not a good person in the world's eyes. I'm not saying that you're not kind or generous even or or giving to others. I'm not saying you're not trying hard. That's not what I'm implying. I'm saying biblically and scripturally, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches us that we're sinners at the root. For as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. All those years ago, Adam rebelled against God and did what God said not to do. And the very moment he did that, the Bible says God had to remove him out of the garden and separate himself from Adam. And the only thing that brought fellowship with Adam and God again was the blood of a lamb. That blood that was sacrificed. But it was only temporary. It was only temporary till one day the perfect sacrifice would come. And that perfect sacrifice was none other than Jesus Christ. And he laid his life down for you. As he said here, he gave his life for the sheep. He literally suffered, bled, and died in order to pay for your sin because there was no way in and of yourself or myself that we could ever be redeemed, that we could ever be bought back, that we could ever find our way into the, the perfectness of heaven. But boy, because of Jesus, we're able to make it. And the bottom line is this. We just simply have to say, I can't do this on my own. I am just a sinner deserving Hell and the punishment that comes by breaking the law of God, the perfect, righteous, holy law of God. I know what I deserve, but I don't want to pay the penalty. I want him to pay it. Then you go through the door. You say, Jesus, you are the shepherd. You're the only one I can trust and depend on. You're the only one that, that can forgive me and wash me from my sin. I'm trusting you today to be my savior. Come into my life. I need you today. I'm only going to depend on you. I'm not going to follow the dead works of religion. I'm going to follow Jesus. Will you trust him today?
before it's eternally too late, before you close your eyes in death? Will you put your faith in Jesus? Will you walk through the door today? Father, we come to you. We ask you, Father, to be with each of us. We desperately need you. But Lord, today there may be those in our midst we, that, that have yet to understand that Christ alone is the way. That just being a good person will never get the job done. That as long as we think or believe ourselves to be good, then we won't need the Savior, Jesus. We are sinners, and without Jesus, we will perish and pay the penalty for breaking the righteous, holy law of God. You told us that the wages of sin is death. Oh God, we don't want to pay physical and then spiritual death being separated from you. We want to be with you. We don't want to be like Adam who ultimately was separated from you because of his sin. We want to be united. We want to be in fellowship. We want to have you with us always. We want to be on your team and in your family and ultimately spend an eternity in your heaven with you, making it our heaven too. Father, I pray that you bring conviction and change to our lives even this morning. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen.